This is the remix. You talk about you know, what helps you improve. To me, you just keep it simple. You go back to what, what's really important in this game. It's fundamentals. Carr in a shotgun. He takes the snap. He's back. He's looking left the whole way. He throws it left, and it's intercepted by the Giants. McKinney down the right sideline. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Giants. Xavier McKinney with his first career pick six. Carr wants the snap and gets it. Looks right, pumps. Now throws a deep ball down the right sideline. Intercepted again by Xavier McKinney at the 50-yard line, and he steps out of bounds there. Boy. Intended for Zay Jones, but McKinney with his second pick of the ball game. Carr back, looks, under pressure, gets sacked, fumble the football, loose on the ground. It's a scramble for it, and the Giants say they have it, and they do. You're not going to win football games in this league kicking field goals. We had an opportunity to get points down there and, and touchdowns, and, and again, we didn't execute it. I mean, we were down there. Previously in the past, we've had trouble getting down in the red zone. We got down there this time, but we couldn't, we couldn't get it in the end zone. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Going to work this time? Joining us now, hopefully, Ed Graney. You there, Ed? I was screaming at you guys. I was in an ice. Uh, <laughs> apparently in the Ranger facility, once you enter the, the rink, your your um, your phone doesn't work. I was screaming, Tyler, can you hear me? <laughs> Tyler. And because it hadn't cut off, but I could hear everything you were saying, and I wasn't on mute. So I got some weird looks from the uh, New York media that I was yelling, Tyler, can you hear me? So now we're good. Now we're just waiting for a train. Waiting for a train. So wait, you, wait yeah. are you like in a subway uh, stop right now? No, no, oh. on a train stop. On a, um, one of the big trains, baby. Uh, headed back, headed back to the city from Terrytown, which is a uh, very, very, oh, you're, very, very nice. You're place. getting on the Metro North, baby. You're getting on the Metro. up get, in my neck of the woods. We're getting on the Metro North, baby. That's right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, track, you. Track four they, in, still, uh, they still in, practice uh, up in Rye, huh? I, I didn't realize that. How about that? God, it's minutes, been a long time. Four minutes. They still practice, and it's amazing. You know as well as anyone, it's pretty far out, and most of them live out here. Um, Gallant told us that four or five players live in the city. I'm guessing the single ones, um, but he says most of the guys are uh, out here, which is Adam. You know, is, is really beautiful. It's 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 just a beautiful place. We went through a bunch of woods and and, and water, and it was, it was it was really nice. Adam Hill's behind me saying it sucks, so he's uh, he's more of a city guy. Adam's more of a city guy. Yeah, I'm not surprised Adam doesn't like it, but you're t- no. yeah, man, you're 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 in my uh, you're in my hometown. You're gonna pass right through Hartsdale, ho- home of Adam King. I think the statue is still up. I'm not sure, but nice. uh, you guys might want to get off and check. Nice. Is that a train? There it is. That's that's not ours, but it is one. Yes, <laughs> and it's and it is scooting through here. <laughs> All right, how is Gerard Gallant? He's good. He's good. I um, uh, was able to uh, talk to him for a while uh, for, for a piece in the paper. And, uh, yeah, I think he's really good. He, he, he seemed really happy. And, um, you know, they haven't played well of late. I don't know. Sitting in the interview process, I'm going to go out like on a limb and say he's not the biggest fan of New York media. Um, <laughs> because there are a couple questions in the press conference where uh, he said, I told you, you saw what happened. Now this is the way it's going to be. So... And we have no, it was something about a goalie, <laughs> but we didn't really understand because the person who asked it obviously was the guy who had written something that he wasn't supposed to. And the guy kept asking, and all it was like, who's starting tonight? Like, that's, you know, like everyone asks Speed DeBoer, hey, Stuart, who's starting? Who's starting? And I think DeBoer most of the time says it, but, but Gerard kept saying, this is the way it's going to be. I told you. I told you. And look what happened. 
So I have no <laughs> idea what happened, but it was pretty funny to listen to. All right, on the Raiders, uh, give us a, give us an assessment of Derek Carr. Well, yesterday was an F. Oh. Um, yesterday, I mean, I thought that was F. one of the worst games he's played in a long time. And he's been so good that maybe that's harsh because I think he's been so good. Then you see a game like that, it's easy to over, you know, undergrade him and just give him an F. But, uh, look, he's the one who stood up in front of the media and said, please, please put this on me. So when you do that, and, okay, it's on you. Um, you threw the pick six. You threw another interception that they got three points out of you fumble the ball going in when you have a chance to tie maybe go to overtime which was funny because we're all saying you know you're very very selfish as a writer i'm like wait a minute i know exactly what i'm writing here and it's changing if these guys score a touchdown right now so uh we're all in the press box going are they really going to force overtime and win um but no then he got pressured and fumbled so you know he, he did he stood up there he said i, I don't want to hear anything just, just put it on me i was i was bad and i gotta play better so i'll go along with him in that and give him an f Ed, it felt to Tyler and me watching the game that this wasn't the same bad Derek Carr that we've seen at other points. It wasn't like the happy feet won't stay in the pocket, uh, you know, inaccurate Derek Carr in that way. What did you think was wrong yesterday? Because it seemed different in terms of the way it was bad. I'm not sure. You know, he missed Waller um, pretty badly. Um, look, I don't know. Maybe you guys saw something different. I thought balls were floating. Um, the pick six was horrible. And the, and the minute he got to the sideline, he looked at Renfro and patted his chest like that's completely on me. Um, you know, the the other pick, he said, you know, he, he didn't think the safety would get over, over top for the double team. So he threw it. I just thought he made a lot of bad decisions. Um, and you know, look, we asked every person in that meeting room, did the rug situation play on this? And you knew exactly what they were going to say. None of them were going to go there and say it had a lot to do with what we did. They had to be affected by it. I mean, there's no way you went through that week and we're not affected by it. Now, I am also one of the person, I don't know what you guys think, but I am a person who really believes that once it kicks off, it's football. Like, it's just too hard a game. They're not sitting there thinking, you know, well, on that pass that we incompleted, maybe if Henry was there. Like, I don't believe that. But I do think if it affected you during the week in preparation, that can you know, translate to the game. So I just can't believe that happened on Tuesday. And by Wednesday and Thursday, they had moved on and no one was talking about it in the locker room. No one was thinking about it. Like, I, that's not human. Like, they're not robots. Like, that just wouldn't be human nature to just say, well, we're not going to think about this. Was Rich Bisaccia more conservative than John Gruden? Great question. I want to say yes, but I also want to say that Rich Bisaccia comes in the press conference with written notes. So, um, <laughs> yes, I think he was more conservative, and I like the fact he writes down what he's going to say before he comes to the press conference. Or it appears that he is. He's got a paper, and he reads from it. Now, I don't know if it's just because he doesn't want to look at us because we're just a bunch of goofballs, or he really has written stuff down. But for that sense, I kind of I like him a lot. Ed, you've now had a chance to see my New York Giants uh, in person I think that they are horrendous. Daniel Jones threw for 110 yards yeah. yesterday. How bad are the Giants? I thought they were really bad. Um, I did think it was funny that Devontae Booker actually played really well against, you know, the team he was on last year. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Adam phenomenal. Andy, what do you think, baby? Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I, it's phenomenal. I think it's that my heart radio. is getting warm here in that it's train. <laughs> There's a train, and they're honking as they saw us on the radio here. Oh, I will say I don't think the Giants were very good. Uh, Daniel Jones, I don't know if, like, you know, we got a um, we got a text during the game, hey, is the Daniel Jones experiment over? You know, is this just, it's just week to week with him. 
I did, like I said, I thought it was funny. Devontae Booker almost ran for 100 yards. But I am with you in that they're not very good in, in, in any way. Uh, what is faster, Devontae Booker running through the Raiders' defense or the trains driving or flying past you? The train, but it stopped. And as Adam will know, it's a very long train. And Adam and I were able to get, well, probably the second to last uh, car, car here. Oh, you're, you're, you're physically on the train right now. Oh, we're, we're on. We got on quickly. Well, yeah, if not, they take off. <laughs> you got to jump on or they're taking off. Soon we're going to have the conductor come through and say, tickets, please, tickets, please. All right. <laughs> this, is a, this, this is a New York-bound train, New York-bound train. Next stop, yes. next stop, Bronxville. Yes. Next stop, Bronxville. Yes. Exactly. Is, is that actually the next stop? No. Oh, I have no idea. Stop. We're just going to Grand Central. Is, where we stop, I have no clue where we're stopping. <laughs> You could, you should actually, you could get off at 125th and spend a little quality time in Harlem. I think you guys would have a great time. I did see that coming out because, as you know as well, it does stop there. We chose to remain on the train and head to uh, where were we? Terryville. Terrytown. 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 Yeah, Terrytown. We chose to stay on. We had a, um, some uh, interviews to do. Uh, Ed, we need a an important answer to this one. Um, how many times have you had Jimmy John's since we last talked to you? Zero. Oh, that's an upset. The closest I came to that was uh, Uber Eats one night Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A. How was it? It was really good. It was really good because it was around the corner, and the Uber Eats guy, I didn't want to go out, and the Uber Eats guy was there, you know, within six seconds and walked. So uh, um, it was good, though, but no Jimmy Jones. I haven't even, you'll be proud of me, I haven't even looked if there is one. I haven't, put this way, we've walked a ton, and I haven't seen one. So I don't even know if there is one, never mind if I, like, looked for it. Uh, what was your Chick-fil-A order, and did Adam Hill yell at you about anything? Chicken sandwich, chocolate shake. Okay. And Adam Hill did not yell at you about anything? About the Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Or, well, I mean, no, anything, was... anything in general. What has he yelled oh, about he, most recently? He's been yelling at me a lot. Well, he just, what did you just yell at me about? Oh, he doesn't like this town. <laughs> yeah, he thinks, he thinks this town sucks. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was beautiful, and I think Adam's going to agree with me. I think this is gorgeous. Yeah. My home area is much, much more attractive than what people think when they hear I live just outside of New York. It, it is wonderful, and Adam Hill, much like OBJ, is a malcontent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is wonderful. You come up here, and uh, it's beautiful. Like, and and Gallant li- lives uh, – so the facility is cool because it's the Knicks, Rangers, and, um, and the WNBA team. Uh, they're all in one facility, uh, which is – you know, as Adam knows, it's actually pretty cool. But you know, it has it, it, it was not a shock that you know the, the Uber driver says take a left on Main Street. You knew it'd have a Main Street. That was like, I mean, Americana. Um, and Gallant said he lives about five minutes, ten minutes from the um, from the practice facility out in out in uh, Terrytown. And then he and all the coaches drive in to each game um, together. It takes them about an hour to get into the city. All right. Well, enjoy your train ride, Ed. We will. Uh, we'll see you on I'll Wednesday see. when you're back. All right, buddy. I'll see you then. Take uh, care of yourself, guys. So there's Ed Graney live from, what is it, Terrytown, New York? Here's the best part. The next 50 minutes of this show are all going to be me talking about everything that Ed and Adam could have seen around Terrytown, Hartsdale, my actual hometown, uh, every stop along the Metro North that they're going to take back into the city. There actually is a stop where they could get off at Yankee Stadium if they wanted to. This is fantastic. I, this is so much better than your fake horses. I don't think so, but I am curious because I just said there uh, over an hour drive for Gallant to get in for a game. What's the, how long's the train ride? 
Well, the train ride's going to take him to Grand Central, so he'll be, you know, right, uh, you know, right around 42nd. Uh, he would have to go a little farther downtown to get to Madison Square Garden. Of course, uh, it is not an easy thing to drive into New York City, yeah. so it could take him far longer to drive than it would to take the train. Right. That's what I so like because I was thinking, like players, like he'd be better off taking the train, right? He would be better. All right. So I'm not sure Gerard Gallant, head coach of the New York Rangers, wants to be on a train uh, going down into the city and dealing with the riffraff. Um, but I also will tell you the drive home is probably pretty darn easy by the time uh, he's getting done with a game at Madison Square Garden, and that's probably not bad at all. Okay. Sounds not a, not a fun setup. It's not, look, it's, I, not, look it's, not as, it's not as simple as just, you know, starting up your Tesla and firing your way back out to Summerlin along with the rest of the Golden Knights. Is it... Uh, Easier to get to Madison Square Garden from wherever the hell Terrytown is or from anywhere in Las Vegas to Allegiant Stadium? Oh, it's far harder to get to Madison Square Garden from Terrytown than it is to get to Allegiant Stadium. Far, far harder. All right. Uh, you look, getting to here's the thing. It's not hard to get to Allegiant Stadium because you start with the idea of, I can't park there anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> Okay, if you thought you were parking at Allegiant Stadium, would it be harder to get there? No, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take advantage of the great offer that's available through ESPN Radio and park at Crazy Horse 3 and take advantage of one of their packages, right? I'm a company guy. Look at you. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Bischoff's briefs. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Justin Emerson's going to join the show in a few minutes. We're also going to have 50 bucks to Smokin' Pig Barbecue to give away a little bit later in the show. Major League Baseball free agency is coming up. Uh, still, it was the deadline to offer qualifying offers to players over the weekend. Uh, but the Houston Astros, according to Mark Berman, offered Carlos Correa a five-year deal. Worth $160 million. It is an offer that screams, we tried. We offered him something. Uh, we gave it an effort, knowing full well that that's not going to be enough. Now, that would work out to $32 million on average per season. The dollar amount the Astros offered is a legitimate offer. There's only four position players last year that had uh, an average salary of $32 million or more. Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Francisco Lindor, and Nolan Arenado. So $32 million a year, that that is a legitimate offer. But the Astros only offered five years. I don't know that Correa's ever actually said it himself, but the assumption here is that he wants a 10-year deal. He is 27 years old. He is very young uh, for most Major League Baseball free agents, or at least the really good 
free agents. To be 27 and a free agent is young. So uh, a 10-year deal seems plausible, seems likely that Correa is going to get offered that because when you're sort of projecting out when a guy starts to regress, if it happens at 34, 35, you're only on the hook for maybe two years of regression on that contract. Whereas if you sign a guy who's 30, 31, you might be looking at four or five years of that regression. I am curious, though, which teams are going to be interested in Carlos Correa, because when you think about somebody getting a 10-year, $300 million-plus deal, two teams that normally jump out that would offer that, the Yankees and the Dodgers, might not have any interest in Carlos Correa because, well, you know. Uh, But does it leave a team like Detroit? They've been rumored a lot to make a massive offer for Carlos Correa. Uh, The Mets are a team that have spent a lot of money. They could do something there as well. I am curious to see who makes Carlos Correa the big offer because Correa, he's he said that he his quote was he doesn't want to be miserable in the clubhouse on a bad team every day. And so I am curious where his priority lies. If Detroit is the team that makes him the biggest offer, does he look at Detroit and say, well, yeah, you guys might be getting better, but you're still not a contender yet. I don't want to play for a bad team or is his priority. Yeah, You guys gave me the most money or the most years or whatever it is. And that's where I'm going to go. Uh, my 1% optimism as an Astros fan is that nobody offers Carlos Correa 10 years or 10 years, 30 million plus, and that the Astros would be willing to go to seven or eight years and that they can sort of meet in the middle of their five-year offer and the 10 that Correa wants and that Correa signs a seven or eight-year deal with the Astros for 30, 32 million a year, whatever it comes up being. That's my optimism. It's like 1%. I don't think that happens, but it's plausible that it does. Um, now, I do want to ask you a question, Adam. How good is Trevor's story? That's the question everyone outside of Colorado is going to ask <laughs> because anytime you're talking about a player going from Denver and playing somewhere else, we don't know, right? So Nolan Arenado was still pretty darn good this year. He wasn't elite, I don't think, by any stretch in Cleveland, at least not with the bat. Um so you you know you can see it with a recent example. I think Trevor Story is absolutely going to bring you offense. He doesn't run as much anymore, and and the defense will play. Um, I think you your hope is probably even at one percent misplaced. And I go back <laughs> hey, to calm down. I go back to the Robinson Cano situation with the Yankees. Um, Robinson Cano was thirty one years old, so four years older. And then Carlos Correa, when he had his uh, free agency hit coming out of New York, the Yankees offered him seven years and $175 million. It's a representative contract for a guy at 31 years old to offer him seven years. Obviously, it, it was not at the same uh, $30 plus million a year that Carlos Correa is getting. That was 2013. These things change. Um, but Robinson Cano went to Seattle for 10 years and $240 million, that contract is still running now. It has two years left on it for a guy who is 39 years old and has been suspended 80 games for PEDs. So if a 31-year-old Robinson Cano got 10 years, then a 27-year-old Carlos Correa, who is better than Robinson Cano, is going to get 10 years if that's what he wants. So if my 1% is misplaced, should it be 0.1% or is that still too high? Your optimism needs to be that whoever leaked this out, I'm assuming it's Carlos Correa's camp who leaked it out, uh, was not serious, right? Like that 
that whoever put this five-year offer out there was not serious in the first place because you're right. It does look like something to say to the fans, look at all this money we offered him. You offered a 27-year-old player five years. Yeah. Stop it. That, that, that there's no. That's not even close to representative of the marketplace. So the reason I ask you about Trevor's story is I have seen both uh, the New York Post and the Athletic both had people predict free agent uh, signings. Both had the Astros signing Trevor Story. Now, he uh, was not very good this past season, but he's been much better at Coors Field than on the road, which is true of pretty much anybody that plays for the Rockies. He is a year older than Carlos Correa. Good defensively, but not quite as good defensively. Uh, But if the Astros sign him, I will be both happy and annoyed. I'll be happy because... He's a good shortstop. Like, even if he regresses some not playing in Coors Field, he's still going to be good. And the Astros will, they're going to be a World Series contender going into next season. And beyond next year, they'll still have Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, and then Trevor Story under contract for a few more years. That is a very solid top five hitters to build a lineup around to continue to be contenders in Major League Baseball. So that part of it will make me happy. The reason I will be annoyed, though, is because... The Houston Astros let George Springer walk after last offseason, and they're probably going to let Carlos Correa walk after this season, which would mean in back-to-back offseasons, they have let two fan favorites, two players that were sort of the core of the rebuild that got the Astros to where they are now, and two players that are better than Trevor Story leave and then turn around and give Trevor Story. Granted, he's probably not going to get 10 years, but they're still going to end up paying them. I mean, it's going to be, what, five, six, seven years for $25, 8000000 million. Like, it's not as much as Correa is going to get, but it's still a significant contract to hand out. So I would be genuinely annoyed if they let Springer, let Correa go, but then turn around and spend a bunch of money on Trevor Story. Yeah, bro. Cry me a damn river. Oh, yeah. uh, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're talking about a franchise that has been unapologetic about its brazen cheating in 2017. These are two guys in George Springer and Carlos Correa, especially Carlos Correa, who have not only been at the heart of the cheating, but absolutely have been completely defiant about the whole thing. So let the Astros say publicly whatever they want. Here's the other part of the equation. They're moving past 2017 in some ways. They're letting... Those guys move on. Kyle Tucker wasn't there in 2017. Jordan Alvarez wasn't there in 2017. Jose Altuve is getting old and will be gone before that long. And hey, Alex Breitman had wrist surgery today. So we find out that uh, he really was hurt all all along. I think this franchise is going to try to, in some ways, clean itself back up and try to move forward away from Carlos Correa. But here's what I hope for you, Tyler, more than anything else. When the Yankees missed out on Robinson Cano, after offering him seven years and $175 million. Do you know what they did with that money? I do not. They turned around and gave seven years and $153 million to Jacoby Ellsbury. (laughs) It might be the single worst contract in free agent history. Here, Just don't. I hope that's not Trevor Story for you. So I actually don't think the Astros signed Trevor Story. I would guess that the Astros either sign like a an average shortstop like Andrelton Simmons or something like that, or they simply let Aled Mestiaz, who's been their utility infielder, take over at shortstop and hope that one of their two good prospects that might be able to play shortstop 
takes over that position at some point next season. One of their best prospects is Jeremy Pena, who's a defense first shortstop, but actually had an over 900 OPS at AAA this year. Uh, he's a potential option there. And then Pedro Leon is a Cuban that they signed who is primarily a center fielder. Uh, he's projected apparently as a great defender with a lot of power. The Astros tried him at shortstop in AA this past season. If I had to bet, the Astros don't actually make a big signing at shortstop. I don't think they end up with I, Trevor Story or anybody. I think it's, hey, we're going to stopgap this and hope one of the prospects works out. If they stopgap it, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think they should do. The next call they make needs to be to the Philadelphia Phillies for Didi Gregorius, who has one year and $14 million left on his contract. That Phillies team needs to be blown up. Didi Gregorius is a left-handed hitter in that ballpark. Only 31 years old. I think he would be a great, a great fit for them for one year. That yeah, and that that sounds fine. Like I'd be, I think I would, I think I'd probably like that more than Trevor Story. Like even though Story is more of the like sure thing, you've got a locked-in shortstop for a handful of years to contend. I think I'd almost prefer that to spending money on Trevor Story and and just hey stopgap it and hope one of the prospects works out because if they're pivoting away here. They're going to have to pay Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker at some point in the future. So let's not spend a bunch of money on Trevor Story, and that'll make me happy. Coming up next, Justin Emerson joins the show. Justin Emerson, Las Vegas Sun. How did you? What did you think of the way Flurry played tonight? You serious? Like you watched the game? He was great. The last goal. The only reason it went in was because. Uh, Theodore slashed the stick, and you know, made it. We would have, you know, and you tell your defenseman to play the guy's stick. So you blame the last goal on, on Theo or on Fleury. Shake your head. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Justin Emerson. Justin, I just want you to know we talked to Ed Graney a little bit earlier in the show. He is in New York. They're uh, covering the Rangers game tonight. He said Gerard Gallant was uh, in a good mood, pretty happy. Well, thanks for busting out the classics there. That one's an old one. I think that was from the <laughs> second year of the Golden Knights, 20, 2019. So, yeah, we're coming up on two and a half years of that one. So, thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, you're absolutely welcome. Now, important question for you. I'm glad Turk's doing well, though. He is. He is doing well. Um, if the Golden Knights had traded Robin Leonard in the offseason and kept Mark andre Fleury, would they be winless? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of a funny way to put it. Um, no, Robin Leonard's obviously been spectacular this season, and he's he's carried this team. They're six and six, and you know, without Leonard, are they three and nine right now? Or you know, I think you saw last night when you kind of get a goalie who isn't stealing games for you, and kind of what can happen. And Leonard's Leonard's stolen a couple, and he's he's kept them in early into games. And to answer the other part of your question, yeah, Mark Andre Fleury's struggling a little bit this season. I'll get back to hockey in a second. How early this year did you have your first pumpkin spice latte? Say it came out, man. Come on. Of course. <laughs> and it you was, didn't feel uh, embarrassed about this. Like, are... It was a week early at Duncan, I think. So I think I grabbed one on the day. And then when it came out at Starbucks, I actually don't think I got it on that day. It might have been a day later. So I'm actually, Duncan just released their holiday flavors, too. So I'm actually on my way there right after we're done here on my way <laughs> to City National. I'm going to stop and grab a. I've heard good things about their toasted white mocha flavoring, so I'm going to grab one of those. What sort of woman of the night are you, sir, cheating on Starbucks by going to Dunkin'? Well, if we're going to get into this, I mean, I I prefer Dunkin' personally. I think it's 
it's cheaper. It's, 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 it, I think it tastes better coffee. I do like kind of the specialty drinks at Starbucks a little bit more, but you know, you can't always, you don't always have six bucks for a coffee. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think I prefer Duncan. And plus, they're doing this, it doesn't matter. It does. Right. No, no, no. You said if yeah. we're going to get into this, we are going to get yeah, into, this. into this. Who prefers Starbucks? Your wife prefers Starbucks more? I maybe we go to Duncan more often now. There's, there's there's one right by the house. There's two of them actually within like a mile of the house, and they started doing this thing where they're doing free coffee on Mondays. Just a heads up to all your listeners there with the Duncan app, you can get a free coffee. They're not paying <laughs> me, but they might as well be. So I'm on my way there. Um, so yeah, if we could just uh, we could just finish up these silly questions that you got for me, so I can go get some coffee. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh look, look, I like this. I like this. He has been abused so often in press conference settings that he's turning the tables on That's us. Right. He's learned something. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, you guys are asking me to get up and do uh, I guess it's not get up at 9.30, but I just woke up. I've got a kid, so uh, yeah. Oh, wait, did we wake you up? No, no, I've been up for 40-ish minutes. I did I did, uh, I did. wake up and see that text or the tweet from uh, ESPN Las Vegas saying I was going to be on the radio today and did go, oh yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Because here's the thing. I have specifically started asking you 9.30 instead of like 7.30 because you have a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. I've been a li- I'm trying to I, be a I little. Used to be re- yeah. I, I used to be reliably in that 7 o'clock hour as one of your guests because I was always up. Now I try to sleep as, as much as I can. So. Yeah. It, it, listen, it, what, it is one of the bigger problems, finding people that will say yes to 7.30. Justin Emerson's now been X'd out <laughs> of the don't ask for 7.30. You're, you're not on that list anymore. But – you know, we we can completely knock you out if you want some more sleep. Well, we'll get, we'll see how this we'll see how this uh, radio hit goes, and we'll go from there. All right, so Justin, <laughs> the the Golden Knights go on the road uh, a long way and get four points in four games. We talked to Ryan Wallace earlier; he was basically saying the goal for this team right now, in its current form, has to be. 500 is 500 going to be enough for the golden knights when they get healthy to still make a good playoff run i think so i mean as long as you're as long as you're within striking distance of the playoffs or in a playoff spot once everybody starts coming back i've maintained the entire time throughout all this i think you'll be fine like it's been a rough go of it particularly defensively where they have not been good and they've relied on goaltending to kind of keep them keep them afloat in the playoff race but you look at a team right now that that is that is 500 one way or another. They're 500 without Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Zach Whitecloud, all these guys, and you got to be you got to be optimistic about how they look when everybody's on the team come playoff time. Yeah, I, I absolutely think they can make a deep run, even if they're the first seed in the Pacific or they grab a wild card spot. As long as you're getting into the playoffs and everybody's healthy, I think you're going to be fine. I don't think you're too worried about having to. You know, if you're playing the Oilers in the first round about that series being in the in Edmonton or in Vegas. So, I, you know, they just got to hang around, and, and I'm not too worried about their long-term outlook right now. When you say everybody that's around in the playoffs, does that include everybody? Well, or is Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, William Carlson, Max Patrick all coming back before the season ends and somebody's got to be gone? Well, that's a million-dollar, $10 million, or $30 million question, isn't it? Uh it's, it depends on when these guys do come back because if, cause if it does take Eichel or Stone or one of the guys with the bigger cap hit uh, until the playoffs to get ready, I mean, we saw what Tampa Bay did last season with Nikita Kucherov. It's not the exact same situation, but it's kind of close. 
Um, I think it might be a little bit easier for Mark Stone to come back just because he knows the system he's been here and all that as opposed to Eichel making his team debut in the playoffs. But you look a couple of years ago and Kale McCarr made his avalanche debut with the playoffs and he was fantastic. So it's not something that should be completely you know, disregarded as a possibility. Even Kelly McCrimmon during the press conference uh, the other day, he said, you know, when we get fully healthy, we'll, we'll address that. But the reality is sometimes you don't get fully healthy. Um, so there's a real chance that they could just hold one of these guys on LCIR if they're not if they're not fully healthy yet and bring them back to the postseason and not have to make moves to address the cap at the trade deadline. And that's going to be one of the fascinating things. If it, the trade deadline comes and goes and everybody's still on the team, then they're going to believe that one or more of these guys isn't going to be ready until at least the postseason begins. Justin, one of the hosts of this show, not me, <laughs> has called Alex Petrangelo the worst free agent signing in Golden Knights history. Obviously, he was fantastic in the playoffs uh, for the Golden Knights. Uh, do you agree with Tyler based on what you've seen uh, in totality from Alex Petrangelo, including this season so far? Well, I think he was so good in the playoffs last year. It's really hard to say that, but uh, to agree with that. But, you know, he's, he's struggled at times this year, and he really is. He really is the difference between the eye test and what the numbers tell you because up until a couple of games ago, he hadn't had a goal. He had only had an assist, and he rated analytically as, as, as the worst player in the NHL, depending on which metrics you wanted to look at. So he's, he's, he's kind of an interesting test case as to how you want to evaluate a player. A lot of it could be the fact that he's trying to overextend himself a little bit. He's jumping up into plays, and he's not getting back, and these chances going the other way or – allowing it because he's trying to put the team on his shoulders right now. So, again, that's maybe a guy that you kind of got to wait and see until, again, until everybody gets back. It sounds like I'm making excuses for the team, but it's not like any of the other defenders' numbers look all that great right now. So, it's not just a Petrangelo problem, but obviously with the $8.8 million cap hit and the the kind of offense that we expect from him, it's starting to come around a little bit. Um, It's a concern for sure, but I don't think you can you can fully and fairly judge his performance right now. Come on. And I know that that's a bit of a cop-out answer. It's sports talk radio. We're judging everybody after one game. Um, I have a test for you, Justin. Uh, I All right. would have failed this test, uh, but I will let you know Ryan Wallace uh, got 100 on this test. I am going to oh, give boy. you okay. some jersey numbers, and I would like you to tell me which Golden Knight wears those jersey numbers. You know what? I was just looking at this the other day. So I oh, think I'll do all right. Feeling that, good. That's just setting myself up for failure. So let's go. Who is number 46? On the Golden Knights? Yes. <laughs> really? Is it easy? Oh, maybe. Uh, oh, is, is that Jake Bischoff? Oh, he's number 45. Oh, boy. Then 40. Oh, it's Jonas Ronbeer. There you go. Ah. It is Ron Beer. All right. Who is number. 15. 15 is Jake Lecision. Number 20. I know that one because I always wear 15, so I've got, always got uh, 15 <laughs> I'd lock on. John Merrill's worn it in the past. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know 15. Okay, fine. Who is number 22? 22, I think that's Michael Amadio, right? You are correct. Uh, who is number 21? That's Fred Howden. Last one for you. Number 39. 39. Oh, that's Laurent Persuade, right? Yeah, that is correct. Good job, Justin. You nailed it. So, 
The question not qu- is not quite a hundred. I got that. I got the first one wrong, but that's okay. That's, that's okay. okay. Good enough because Golden Knight fan shows up to T-Mobile Arena, sees number twenty-two or number fifteen skating around out there. How many people in that building know who that player is? I legitimately thought about that the other day. It was during the Montreal game. I think Amadio had like a nice, like he was real down low, had a shot in front of the net, and I'm like, what is Nick Holden doing that far down? And I'm like, <laughs> oh wait, no, that's all right. <laughs> Well, he is Justin Everson from the Las Vegas Sun. Justin, enjoy your Duncan. Uh, and I, did, you didn't name your son Duncan. That's eh, a little bit of a disappointment, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, well, looking back on it, I definitely should have. So thanks, boys. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. So there's Justin Everson from the Las Vegas Sun. All right, here we go. We've got $50, a $50 gift certificate to the Smokin' Pig Barbecue Company. Smokin' Pig Barbecue Company. 50 bucks, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We will take caller number six at 702-364-1100. to Smoke and Pig Barbecue Company. As they make their way to the top of the stretch, it is Nick's goal, and he's going to try to take him the distance here. Nick's goal comes wide for the stretch drive. Hot right, Charlie on the inside is second, and then comes Medina Spirit, art collector, and essential quality into the final furlong. You're locked in the press box. Jared has informed me that horse's name was Knicks Go, spelled with a K, like the New York Knicks. So congratulations, Adam. The Knicks have finally won something. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as it goes with your Knicks trolling, I'll give that about a 6 out of 10. Ah, pretty good. All right. Uh, D. I did not give you enough time earlier in the show for this, uh, but please let us know how you feel about Mac Jones. Well, you didn't find out until today, unless you were one particular Carolina Panther, but <laughs> Mac Jones became a true New England Patriot yesterday, and I want to <laughs> congratulate him. This was the day that Mac Jones ingratiated himself to all of Boston and the greater New England area. Uh, If you didn't see, uh, after a turnover, Mac Jones ended up on the ground and he was entangled with a player from the Panthers. And as that player tried to get away from him, Mac Jones kind of looked like he was trying to tackle the guy by the ankles. Um, And then he went full Belichick. He decided to do the heel turn, literally. Uh, He took the man's ankles and ripped them around and twisted them to the point where he ended up writhing on the ground in pain. Um, it is something that you generally don't see by someone other than a linebacker on a running back trying that. I, I believe in some corners called a gator roll. Um, this was Mac Jones showing that down at Alabama, he learned a whole lot more than how to do the Aflac dance with Nick Saban. Uh, Brian Burns ended up with an ankle sprain. Uh, from Mac Jones tugging on him. Uh, Tom Palicero did tweet out that the NFL is going to review Mac Jones grabbing Brian Burns uh, as part of its normal process and that Jones could be fined, but nothing more than that. Uh, It is 
I mean, it's, it's one of the dirtiest type of plays you can do, right? Like you're completely out of a play. I mean, Brian Burns wasn't really even in the play either. And you just laying from the ground, pull on the guy's ankle, just pull him down intentionally trying to hurt him. It was as dirty as a play gets. Yeah. There's no reason to do it. Um, and I'm a little bit facetious talking about, you know, him fitting into the Bill Belichick evil New England culture now. But I mean, this isn't acceptable at any level of football. It's total garbage. There have been some new angles that have come out today that make it look really, really bad. And, um, you know, I, I do hope the league at least comes down with a significant fine to say to other rookie quarterbacks, I guess everybody else, <laughs> not to do this. Uh, it felt it felt very much like, oh, you're like fighting with your sibling for like the TV remote. So you just grab them to try to pull them away so they can't get the TV remote. Except, you know, he actually sprained his ankle and Brian Burns wasn't going to get the TV remote anyway. Have you injured one of your siblings trying to keep them from the TV remote? I don't think I've injured them trying to like pull them back. But we've definitely been like, oh, reaching for something at the same time. And instead of trying to actually grab it, you just try to injure them instead. You just try to prevent them from getting them. I'm trying to think. I have like my younger sister has thrown like a hairbrush at me. She has thrown the TV remote at me. That's happened as well. Um, but you think it's the word. Oh, no, she did stab me once. That happened. Accidental stabbing. But I still uh -huh. have a little scar on my palm from when she stabbed me in the kitchen. With what? Uh, a knife. Oh, yeah, a knife. Oh, yeah. I think, that, you know, a knife. She was trying to open a box of cookies, and I came over to, like, help, and I don't know. It slipped and stabbed me in the hand, and I was... I think I was probably nine years old. She was about seven years old and our parents weren't home and I just had blood squirting out of my hand. We overreacted. I was perfectly fine. But, you know, I had blood squirting out of my hand after a knife cut me. I was scared. So she was more scared than I was, too. It was great. I really feel like I missed out on a lot by being an only child. Oh, you did. You absolutely missed out on a lot. Not a good, not a lot of good things, but you missed out on a lot. I mean... There's some goodness in the fact that you kind of have a partner in crime as far as like, all right, well, we don't like each other, but we got to work together in order to pull this off. So no one's telling mom and dad. I mean, the most yeah. love I've felt by my little sister was her crying more than me after she stabbed me because she was worried. Although it might have been she was worried she was going to get in trouble and not about my yes, well-being. Yes, 100%. But at the time, it felt love. She was, she was crying a lot because I was in pain or I was hurt. We get trolled by Tyler for three hours a day and don't have to live with him. Imagine if this was your lot in life. I, Imagine okay. this was something that you were stuck with. This is very important for you to know. I am the one that gets made fun of in my family. The way I am is I treat people the way my family treats me. This is another thing that you cannot reveal 30 seconds yeah. from the end of the show. Why not? What do Thank you God I'm back tomorrow. No. This, Thank this... God I have another three hours tomorrow. <laughs> this is going to be nothing but a Dr. Phil episode of me asking you questions about your family. It's going to be the entire show. Don't ask me about vanilla extra.